0: This is the uh, fifth lesson out of six, so we're starting to wind down. Uh, Today we're going to talk about geology for a little bit and a little bit of paleontology. Uh, What we're going to go over, we're going to review last week a little bit, talk a little bit about pre-flood earth, the global flood, fossils, and a little bit on dinosaurs or dragons, whatever you want to call them. So last week... Tim told us that to have intelligent life, you have to have order and purpose. And do we see order and purpose in the positioning of the cosmos for the earth? Tim went over a lot of good things there, and he told us that that was the easy part. Getting the earth where it needs to be was the easy part. Uh, That the hard part was getting life to come from non-life, just from the ingredients of life. That has not been done, and uh, life is complex, and we can see the order and design in life. This week, uh, I just wanted to, I only have one slide on this because I'm pretty sure there's a whole class coming up. I think it's maybe an eight-week class on worldview, Uh, but we we have evidence. It's all the same evidence, but from what perspective or worldview that we look at that evidence is what we see. And I like this little little picture because if you look at it from one direction, you see a circle. If you look at it from another direction, you see a square. And if you look at it from the top uh, point of view, you get a triangle. So it's important to know where you're looking at something from, what your worldview is. That's why your worldview is so important. Uh, this is kind of a wordy slide. I apologize for that. But what is science? Science is the knowledge. Or a system of knowledge covering general truths or the operation of general laws especially as obtained and tested through scientific method god encourages science in genesis he told adam and eve to subdue the earth and have dominion over it. romans he uh, encouraged studying creation to learn about him and studying the things that were made uh, again in genesis he told him to name the animals biology um Genesis 15, he told Abraham to to look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. In Psalms, David talked about astronomy. God highlights the heavens through David. And Job talks about the laws of science and physics. Um, And he talked about studying the earth to encourage uh, geology. And there's a whole bunch more here. Uh, Please, these slides will be online. I don't know if any of you have done that gone online to our website, gone under lessons, the and uh, found these uh, recordings. So the recordings are there, real highlighted, but down on the little bottom there's a link that you can click on that these slides are all uploaded, so you can go through and review the, uh, the slides and any notes that are with them. So all these uh, scriptures are there, you can go through at your leisure and review them and look at them if you'd like. So we're going to start off today just kind of with a little bit of general earth science. I know most of you have had this, this kind of little refresher. The earth is like an egg, basically. The uh, man, uh, We have the crust, which is kind of the shell of the egg, the outside. You have the white part that's inside, which is the mantle. And then you have the yellow part that's inside, that's the yolk, that's the core of the earth. So you can kind of think of the earth as an egg. So. <clears throat> When, uh, we'll move to the next slide, so the shell of the earth, when it is busted or it is kind of cracked, those cracks are rubbing together, either they're pushing together or they're pulling away or they're sliding on top of each other. These are all kind of basic uh, general earth science terms, whether there's divergence in the ocean or in the water, subduction of whether it's being pushed under, um, and whether they're just maybe sliding there's uh pictures in of california where they've built a road and over years that sidewalk has separated to the side because those plates are actually moving and we've seen that in our lifetime even so they're moving that fast so is there evidence of uh, plate tectonics here's a picture of the world and all of the epicenters of the earthquakes this is from 1980 to 1990 all the red dots are the different earthquakes and you can kind of see them white there's uh right there where the nice little screw is that lyle pointed out that you guys will see throughout this whole thing now uh, is united states and you can see california there on the west coast we've got a fault line uh some tectonic plates that are rubbing together and that's why we have the earthquakes and that's why we have that separation of that sidewalk i was talking about (laughs) And also, we have sea uh, floor age. The, uh, the further you get away from a divergence in the ocean where the floor is being separated, the further you get away from that center, the older the rocks get. Also, we, uh, we have magnetic stripes. These are changes in polarity and magnetic. Uh, on the magnetic poles in the rock so as the magma is coming out it's producing new rocks and it's changing the the polarity in the magnetic field in the rocks and it's interesting because as it comes up it separates so it is they're all parallel on the opposite sides and they're all the same pattern just mirrored on the other side so it's proof that it is coming up and separating so I guess that's a kind of a hard way to say that, but it's kind of interesting that there's you can see the there's like a space in between where there is a neutral polarity, and then pre-flood Earth. Uh, have you guys ever heard of Pangaea? That's the continent, supercontinent, um, pre-flood. So we believe in Genesis one nine through ten. Gathered together in one place, he's talking about the waters under heaven, does this also imply that the land would have been gathered together as well? Um, if you take all the continents and cut them out on a piece of paper, you can piece them together and they look like they fit together, like puzzle pieces, which is pretty interesting. Not only that, but if you look at these bands, these are bands of fossils that have been laid down and when you put... These continents together this way, those bands of fossils also line up. So that's kind of a, kind of a hidden little deal that, yeah, this was probably together at one time. So I think that's pretty cool. So in Genesis six, one and two. And 11-12, through 12, when man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw the daughters and the, mans were, the man were attractive. The daughters of man were attractive. And then they took their wives, as any they chose. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their ways on the earth. Second Peter, if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So the Bible tells us about the flood. What do we, what do we believe today? Well, a lot of people believe in unif I can't say that word. Laney told me how to say it. I can't say it. Uniformitarianism, I think That's is right. how you say that, versus cat. And Yeah, prophetism. Well, anyways, the uniformitarianism is the process and timelines of things um, happen the same way in the past as they did today. So I have a really good example of this here in a second, but if a river is cutting a gorge at like one, one foot a year, it's cutting a gorge, then that means it's always cut one foot a year throughout all of time. So that's what they use for their dating of different ge- geolo- geoly- yeah, geology uh, by saying that everything happens the same today as it did then. Well, we find that there are major catastrophes, and they're, you know, they happen pretty regularly. Second, Peter says, knowing this first of all, that scoffers will come in the last day with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fallers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. So right here is an example. Uh, A lot of you probably have heard about this or maybe even lived through this. Um, I did, but I was too young to even know what was going on. Um, Mount St. Helens. The volcano uh there was a there's the, today there's this little grand canyon they have and using uniformity as whatever that word is again the canyon would date tens to if not hundreds or thousands of years old based on the little tiny stream that's going through it they look at that cannon canyon and they say it took thousands of years to happen but we know in 1982 a small eruption caused the big mudslide and carved 20 miles long, 140 feet deep, and it did it in one day. Uh, So we know that these type of catastrophes do happen, and we've seen them. So that kind of disproves that that idea. However, that idea still persists. So the flood, what happened? All the foundations of the deep were broken up. The ocean floor broke up, started moving as it does today. Uh, but it was moving much faster at the time when, it bro- when the f- fountains busted. The windows of the heaven were open for 40 days and 40 nights. The breaking up of the fountains could have caused the rain or the f- magma came up and hit the ocean. It could have uh, caused steam and evaporation of water, which caused a lot of rain to happen on the earth. Uh, the water prevailed on the earth uh, for about five months. So here's the kind of the idea, the crust, the foundations opened up, blew all this uh, ocean water up into the air. In Psalms it says, the earth's great mountains arose and the valleys sank, and the earth may have been flatter before the flood and easier to cover completely with water. The changes that occurred to the earth uh, meant that the flood could not happen again naturally. Genesis 8, when the foundations were stopped and the heavens closed, God caused the wind to pass over the earth. The evidence of this is the tectonic plates and their movement to cause the mountains. And in this book, Flooded, from uh, Apologia apologetic press, as scientific evidence is gathered, it will support what the Bible says every time. And again, that goes back to that perspective again. What perspective are we looking at that evidence? So, the flood of Noah's day which uh, this is from Answers of Genesis, this is when they think the the flood happened, was a year-long global catastrophe that destroyed the pre-flood world, reshaped the continents, buried billions of creatures, and laid down the rock layers. It was God's judgment on man's wickedness, and only eight righteous people and the representatives of every kind of land animal were spared aboard the ark. So just to cover this again, the earth, earth burst open. It caused water and rain to go all over the earth it mixed up all the dirt and rock ripped up all the vegetation god destroyed the earth so the way the earth was then was completely gone everything that was there completely mixed up and buried gone Uh, so the lower layers of the earth they started moving so it cracked up this pangea and started moving these big giant land masses across the the globe and as this, this is a year-long process, so while it's doing that, all this dirt and everything that's mixed up is kind of starting to separate. Um, I don't know, if, like I just went to the grocery store, and if you go through the uh, um, salad dressing aisle, you look at the salad dressing, it's all separated. There's oil and water in there, so there, there's the oils on top and the waters on the bottom. It's all separated, right? That's what happened here. You have all this dirt and rocks. The rocks are falling to the bottom. The heavy stuff's falling to the bottom. The lighter stuff's kind of getting pushed to the top, and it's all starting to separate. And the water started to clear, and as it did that, some places got kind of held up, and then they burst out, and they cut great big giant valleys and gorges through the rock like the Grand Canyon uh, while that rock underneath was still soft and malleable. It wasn't hard yet. So it was able to just tear it up and and create huge gorges. Um, this took a, a in place of years. So, do we see evidence of this, or is this believable from what we see today? Well, fossil layers are formed in sedimentary rock. Sedimentary rock is rock that is formed in layers by depositing and pressing of sediment on top of each other. So according to the uniformitarianism, basically this means you look at a forest, the leaves fall off the tree, they hit the ground, they decompose, next year more leaves, more leaves, those leaves just keep getting pressed down, they're decaying, they turn into dirt, and it just keeps getting pressed down, and over enough of time, eventually, with the tree logs falling down and everything else, eventually it gets pushed down so far that you get a layer of rock. And According to them, you would have fossils in there, and you'd have all this other stuff, and this is how we got the layers of the earth. Well, again, with, you know, it's always with enough of pressure and time, dirt becomes sedimentary rock, right? Multiple layers over time while piling up. So, again, do we see evidence of this, and is this believable with what we see today? Kind of a different point of view on how things happen. This is really hard to read, but again, you can look these slides up and see them. So this shows the different layers that we have and where different bones are found and which layers. It also, on the left slide of the column, there is dating for uh, evolutionary time scale, basically, millions of years. So you have the, the MYA is millions of years on the left side, and then on the right side, they put uh, a biblical time scale, which is um, thousands of years when you get down to the bottom of it. So here's just a couple pictures of how it happened. Everything mixed up. Dinosaurs were, some of the dinosaurs were thrown into this this mush. They get buried there on the right. They uh, die. Obviously, their bones are left because bones won't de- decay quite as fast as the flesh, And then eventually that ground gets eroded to where the bones show, and voila, we find dinosaur bones. Uh, A little bit about how that happens. Um, If the conditions are right, and that's part of the thing, if the conditions are right, the bones will slowly decay, and as they uh, do on a cellular level, the cells will break down and decay, and they leave a little pocket in the ground. And that pocket gets filled up with water that has minerals in it, and those minerals are deposited in that pocket when it decays. And then over time, that will harden, and then, voila, you've got these bones left over that are really just uh, kind of a shadow, basically, of what used to be there. So, again, you got to have the correct conditions. So, uh, this one, real wordy as well, sorry about that. Uh, scientific dating there's a bunch of websites here on the bottom I quoted a bunch of people but basically all of their um, dating systems are um, they don't all agree with one another so sometimes they can get them to agree on the same rock sometimes they can't so um, radiometric dating is often used to prove rocks are millions of years old Once you understand the basic science, however, you can see how wrong the assumptions lead to incorrect dates. Um, Usually, geologists do not use all four radioactive clocks to date a rock unit. This is considered an unnecessary waste of money and time. After all, if these clocks really do work, then they should all yield the same age for a given rock unit. Sometimes, though, using different parent radioisotopes to date different samples or minerals from the same rock unit, they do not yield they yield different ages, hinting that something is amiss. Also what about uh, folding in rock layers? So there you can just Google this under images, uh, folding rocks and what you find is according to their idea that these things would be laid down, you'd think they'd be flat, but we don't see that. What we see is we see folds and curves and turns and all this, and how does that happen? Well, if it's taken a long time and a lot of pressure to do that, and then eventually you try to bend that through the plate, the tectonic plates or something else, you get what we have here in the middle. You get these cracks because rock's hard to bend. You can't, I mean, anybody go out and bend a rock you don't bend rocks, right? So how did these curves and bends? Some of them were well beyond 90-degree bend. Well, that had to happen while that layer was still soft, while it was still malleable, while it was after the flood. It had to been still able
1: to be able to, to uh, be uh, moved. If you've driven down the I-35 past Davis into the Arbuckles, you'll
0: see a... Several examples of that very yes. phenomenon. Yeah. there's tons of them all over. This was both
1: what? Sides of the road.
0: go ahead. Yeah, both sides of the road. Absolutely. Uh, this one, I, I like this one because they they can't explain these ones at all. Uh, these polyestate fossils. They've actually, if, if you <laughs> if you continue reading on this Wikipedia site, it says this is not a geology term. They make sure that polyestate Strait is not a term and used in imperial geology because they don't they don't want to be associated with this at all because they can't explain it. So this is where a tree has been petrified standing up and it goes through multiple layers of sedimentary rock.
1: Which so, according to old earth age was had to have occurred over millions and millions of years. Millions of years while all these strata were being <laughs> built up. But a tree is a short lived thing, and this is minerals replacing that tree going through uh, what they would say would be millions and millions of years, but obviously it happened all in one short season.
0: The one on the right, you can see it actually goes through four different strata, four different layers of sedimentary rock, which they have no answer for that that at all.
1: Explanation for, except that it all had to have filled in in a very short period of time and covered up that tree. Another example is the entire carbon-based fuel system that we now are consuming. It's a mile or so in the ground. That's all made up of pre-flood trees and greenery. How did it get miles into the earth? Uh, They have no explanation for that as well. Jeremy, Where, where is that at?
0: Uh, this one I'm not sure uh, I just picked these off uh, off of Google I didn't leave I didn't give you the source of the picture but if you go on there and you put uh, you just do images Google's images you'll find so many of these it's crazy how many there is they're all over the, the world everywhere um, these uh, varves um, these are different colored of sediment so um, they they would use these to disprove the Bible, saying there's so many different layers that there's no way that the Earth is young. And what what the idea is is that you have a lighter band in the yeah a lighter band in the summer and a warmer band in the winter. So they're saying this has to be a year for two of these is what they would say. Well, there were studies done. Uh, And I think it was actually in um, the University of Oklahoma, I think it was this one. Uh, But anyways, when they did this study, they found out that surprisingly the thickness of each band was found to depend on the relative particle size rather than the flow conditions. So how they separate is really based on the particles and their size, not how much or how fast or how much time. It's really based on what the size of the the particle is and they took one of these and they separated all of its particles and they reflowed it with water and they got the exact same pattern as they did before so it's not uh, based on winter and summer it's based on flow which could happen very quickly uh, this one's kind of cool so 1980 uh, Jerry Stone, an employee of a Corvette oil company, he finds this, uh, this boot just the way it is in a riverbed in Texas. And uh, they find out that a company that made the boot started in 1936. And uh, uh, it was a handmade boot. And it was made by this local company in this uh, garland leady whatever, he recognized the number 10 stitch in the boot and that his uncle's company, where he worked with his uncle's company for years, and he said this boot was made in the 1950s, right? So only the contents of the boot are fossilized, not the boot itself, demonstrating that some of the materials fossilize more readily than others. The bone of the particular leg and foot within the boot were revealed by elaborate sets of CT and uh, different CT scans so they found the bone in there that has been petrified and hid this guy's foot we don't know where the rest of him is <laughs> his boots okay but his legs petrified and this happened within 30 years so that's kind of rapid petrification here and there's again you go on there and you can you know, say Petrified hat, and you'll find a bunch of different petrified things that people have petrified really quickly. It does not take long periods of time to petrify things. This is a miner's hat that they left in a mine. And they come back, voila, the hat's petrified because it was just in the right conditions and, and uh, had the minerals coming in. You know, usually it's like some type of hard water that has lots of lots of minerals in it. Uh, and they found uh, where farmers in the midwest plant <coughs> put their fences down plant their posts in the ground in the 1800s and then they come back in you know the year 2000 and they they find the fences gone everything above the ground's rotted off and gone but when they dig it all up the bottom of the the posts are all petrified in the ground so it, it doesn't uh doesn't take a long time to petrify something it just takes the right conditions and here we found dinosaur bones that still have flesh on them. And these, uh, <coughs> this stuff here in the middle is from this website article, and it says that they're highly fibrous, flexible, and elastic bone tissue, when stretched, returns to its ringable shape, cell-like structures resembling blood and blood cells. And when I first, I, it was probably a couple years ago I heard about this the first time, and uh, when I read the article the first time, I laughed. Because what the scientist said was, is that this is really going to change our understanding of how long tissue can last. Not, <laughs> not this, may, this may cause us to really rethink the evolutionary model. That was not, that, that didn't even... Come into their mind at all? That is so ingrained, that is so much fact in their life that when they see something like this, it means tissue probably lasts millions of years. That that's what they think of. That just blows my mind. This one's really cool. This is uh, if you search bell found in coal, you'll find this one. This is from a, a seam of coal in west virginia in 1944 a uh, 10 year old boy was filling the stove up with some coal and he pulled this coal out and dropped it on the ground and it bust open and bam a bell comes out right so he was he was polygraphed and they went back and uh found out where the coal had come from that they were using they found this coal seam was like 100 feet in the ground you know so how is it that there's a bell in coal 100 feet under the ground that was buried, like Wes said?
1: Toll is pressurized, fossilized, green, growing grass.
0: Right. And if you look at this website, this is a creation website. It's saying, you know, Genesis flood, you know, this, this is pre-flood bell type of thing. And then you turn over here to this website, same bell, same evidence, but a different belief. The coal is dated to roughly 3 million years, therefore the bell must be older than 3 million years. So humans existed over 3 million years ago. Somebody dropped the bell in this forest before it fell down and turned into sedimentary rock that eventually was pushed down in the ground and became coal. Right? So this talks about worldview. And I find it interesting, if you look at the very top left corner, they have the word fact, right? So I always say, are they trying to convince me, or are they trying to convince themselves? I'm not sure which one. So Sir Richard Owen, he coined the term dinosaur in 1841. Uh, The dinosaur and dragons were often interchangeably found by fathers of paleontology. So here's some documents behind that I'll say dragon on them. So, paleontology relatively new study. It's about uh, 200 years old. There's been hundreds and hundreds of scientists in various fields that have contributed their expertise to study dinosaurs. Um, There's been thousands of skeletons found worldwide. All this knowledge has been accumulated The information has been accessible to everybody because the world is basically a lot smaller in the last 200 years that we can talk to anybody in the world at any time pretty much so they can get any of this this information. There's classification, the ability to compare the anatomy with other (coughs) dinosaurs, other things that have been found. And the result is we get dinosaurs that we think we know what they look like, right? Okay, well, here's an example. The dinosaur in the top left is from 1852 of a uh, Megaloceros. That's what they thought it looked like. And then in uh, 1859, they thought it looked like that on the bottom left. And then finally today, this is what we think of it as looking, uh, and this is due to different... Sometimes you don't find a complete skeleton. You find different uh, pieces of the bone or, you know, Most different of pieces things, of it.
1: They find one bone. Yeah, one two, bone or maybe one tooth. a jaw bone or a leg bone, and they create a creature right. in their imagination from
0: it. So, are ancient dinosaur depictions based on excavated fossils? If, if that's the case, if they based it on, di- if the dinosaur art of fossils, then why do they rarely... Ever depict the bones. Normally they depict the dinosaur, not the bones. And what resources did they use? What tools did they use? What techniques, what glue, what tape to hold these brittle bones together? Where did they get their knowledge of the anatomy and the physiology? I can't say that word. Uh, and where, do they, where are these bones at now? These are all great questions and we're gonna look at some examples. But before we do, let's talk about an ancient drawings, right? So, if uh, if a drawing is a a creature that matches those of a known reality, then that's a real creature. If the characteristics of a creature don't match those of reality, say, half man, half horse, then we're going to say it's mythological, okay? Because there are mythological drawings, sculptures, tons of those, right? lions with wings and different things. We're going to talk about ones that are look like they're real. All right? So we're going to start with this one here. This book, uh, Dire Dragons, that I have, written by uh, Vance Nelson. Uh, he says, We have ensured that the artists who created the 3D dinosaurs and extinct reptiles' artwork for this book never knew about, nor did they see the ancient artwork to which the modern reconstructions were being to be compared. So here's just kind of a start. This one's in England of uh, King Edward in the 1400s. Uh, this coin has a dragon or dinosaur on it on the bottom, where he's shoving a spear through its throat. And this is the the dinosaur. So basically, he said, "Give me X dinosaur. I want him looking to the right, or I want him standing to the right with his head turned over his shoulder." looking up, or whatever, and they would use all their knowledge that they have, and they would try to d- draw him a dinosaur, and then he would compare it to these things that he finds. <clears throat> I've got hurt. hurry. Okay, so here is a cathedral uh, in 1122 AD. They have these tombs that are in, the, in it that... I mean there's tons if you look at these these are figure 73 so there's tons and tons of these engravings on brass on these tombs a lot of them are all of them are i should say real animals they're normal animals like birds foxes bats eels wild pigs foxes but they also have these two as well uh the top one is uh kind of is the original it's kind of worn off but they've kind of gone through and use some technology to enhance the the heads of these two creatures and notice the tail on the left one. So we have these dinosaurs, I don't know, know their names, but the one on the top he has these spiky ends on his tail and then of course the bottom one is just kind of the same size dinosaur. So that's odd if they just found bones that they'd be able to engrave these images on tombs of these dinosaurs without ever seeing the dinosaurs when it's taken us 200 years to get the pictures that we have. Here's another one. Uh, This is from the Netherlands, dated 1440. Uh, St. George, slaying of a dinosaur. So on on the top, it's kind of in a book that he drew of a character, again, slaying the horses on top. with the horse, you can kind of get the relative size of the dinosaur, how big the dinosaur is compared to, to everything else. Um, and talk about St. George. St. George is, this is 1400. There was another St. George that they're probably kind of referring to. Um, he was lived around 350 A.D., um, but they'll use, use names for these dragon slayers of like St. George, St. Michael, different Christian saints, because they're going around slaying these uh, animals. I don't know if they're doing it for religion, but that's kind of the idea. Uh, here we have uh, kind of an emblem. They would have these, uh, I don't remember what they're called, the, the seals or whatever. Each each house have their own little seal. Well, there's four people. Um, they have different seals. This one guy, Fran Chisso, or whatever his name is, he, uh, has what they call salamanders but they have too long a necks to be a salamander so the devil's in the details if you look at these online the first one at the top has scales that are overlapping like this on it. the one in the middle has these uh shapes that are on it that are very detailed and then the bottom one has ridges and his back so there's a lot of detail there that you would not get from a fossil record because all of the skin and stuff like kind of like the boot the boot didn't decay and fossilize, it's just the bones. So with the dinosaur bones, what we get out of the ground, that's what we get. It's the bones. We don't get all this other detail that these people were putting in buildings and sculptures. Here we have a baby dinosaur that's on a tapestry in France. Uh, this is from the 16th century. And um, they have actually have found a couple uh, places where those type of scales, they have found fo- fossil evidence of that. This one's interesting. Uh, in Spain in the 1600s, this uh, is a altar cloth, and they're slaying this dragon. Looks like an alligator, but really it's a dinosaur that's extinct or extinct reptile that has these teeth that kind of stick out. Probably wouldn't stink because it couldn't eat anything because its teeth are sticking out the wrong way. I don't know. But very interesting. This one's my favorite. Because this, this dinosaur has a sail on his back, and you can clearly see the sail on his back in the, in the picture. Uh, this is from Germany, another St. George, 1525. Uh, and you can note his claws are kind of turned up on the back. They kind of look like finger claws. And uh, very, very good comparison of what the animal would have looked like. Here's another one that's in Germany. This is at a fountain. And if you notice, the statue, they show the ears of the dinosaur, which we never see ears on dinosaurs because you can't with fossils. You have no idea what the ears would look like. Usually there's just maybe an indention where the hole where the ears would be. But here we actually have ears on the outside like a real animal would have, which is kind of fascinating. Here's a blue one. Uh, I couldn't find it. I hunted for it but there's a there was some study done that the reason why they depict these as blue is cuz there's something there's a mineral or protein or something that's that they found in these dinosaurs that they think that they would be a certain color based on that that information so that's kind of interesting too that they color these dinosaurs the same color as what they would be so the, the real question is how do they how do they come up with that much detail in these animals even a couple hundred years ago? You know when we think the dinosaurs had kind of gone extinct, to, to be able to show us what a you know to build a sculpture of a dinosaur without ever have seen them. They would have had to seen them either alive or shortly after the animal died to be able to depict these <coughs> different sculptures and drawings that they have. Um, here, I was going to talk a little bit about carbon-14. I know we're about out of time, but um, carbon-14, the maximum age that you can get with carbon-14 is 50,000 years. So if you ever hear anybody say, well, carbon dating said the dinosaur bones are such and such. It's not true because the oldest that you could possibly get is 50,000 years. So we have these we have these dinosaur bones. We have all these fossils. Anything that lived has carbon in it, and all of it has carbon 14 So all of it has to be under
1: 50,000 years. Carbon-14 is talking about sun coming through the ozone layer. If the ozone layer before the flood was significantly different than carbon-14 cannot be used
0: before the flood. Has anybody ever heard of, thank you, Wes, Have anybody ever heard of industrial diamonds? So you have diamond blades, you know. So I'm thinking, how do they do that? They go out here and do all these mines and they, get these diamonds nobody wants and they use them? No, that's not how they get them. They make diamonds, right? The hardest substance supposedly to man, and supposed to have taken millions of years to produce, but yet we can create them in a laboratory. So lab-grown diamonds are identical to natural diamonds in every way, but they are created in a controlled environment using cutting-edge technology rather than the depths of the earth. And if you're wondering, do lab grown diamonds pass a diamond test? They absolutely do. They will pass, they will test positive using any diamond tester. And we actually have two different ways that we can make diamonds in the lab. And that's all I have.